0: Well, good morning, everybody. See, you didn't quite get the memo this morning. It's called Vineyard Cafe, so we don't have to scrunch all in the chairs. If you wanted to relax, maybe put your coffee on the table, whatever. Or you can all just become one big happy family and sit together, so it's all good. Um, It's all good. Well, we're happy to see you. Say good morning to your neighbor. Yeah, but everybody say good morning to Marvin, he's in the comfy seat back there. Hey, church guy. Where's church lady? Yeah, so I just want to take a moment and just just have you take a breath kind of bask in the glory of God this morning. We can get into that place where we're so busy doing that we forget about being... So Jesus, help us be the church today. We just thank you, Lord, for the love you keep pressing over us and and on us and through us. We just give everything away that that you won't want us to have today and that we just leave it. And Lord, help us not pick it up when we leave. You're faithful. You're super faithful. You're what we need when we don't have anything to give you. So we just thank you. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you feel like getting to your feet and you stand, whatever posture of worship you want to take for this time in worship, uh, great. Uh, mind your neighbor. And uh, so we'll worship first with the word or with music. And then um, Brent will bring the word. Hey, Zane, I have no guitar in my ears. Oh, wait a second. I'm not plugged in. Sorry. I have nothing in my ears. Thank you. (laughs) Just talk amongst yourself. Who's the smart guy? There we go. Hey, now I hear me. Much <clears throat> better. Is Chris unmuted? Uh. There we go. We'll start. This is the way the whole morning is going this morning. If you've been walking the same old road For
1: miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice Tell the same old lies If you try to feel the same old holes inside There's a better
2: life
1: There's a better life If you got pain The way he If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior if you got chains, He's a chain
2: breaker.
1: We've all searched for the light of day and the dead of night. We've all found ourselves more for the same old fight. You got
2: pain.
1: He's a pain taker. Testify If you believe it You can feel it
2: if
1: you receive it Somebody testify If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify Testify Testify
2: Testify
1: Yeah rejoice in you. you send the rain I will pray you mm-hmm. Thank you.
3: Good morning. Welcome, Vineyard. Welcome, our online friends. We're excited you've come to join us today. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of you that have been praying for my father, Ralph Gray, who is going to go see Jesus very, very soon. And if you could just continue to pray for his comfort in the midst of the pain, uh, I'd appreciate it. The family would appreciate it. We are continuing our fall book study, The Reason for God. Pastor Brent. His message today is Deconstructing Phariseeism. And that's in Matthew 23, and you can get your Bible or your cell and follow along in the bulletin. Don't forget, come back later today. So we are in the Vineyard Cafe-style church today, and you see all the tables set up in the back, and that's ready for our chili cook-off. So you can come on back this afternoon. They'll start judging the chili at 3 o'clock, and you'll get first and second, third-place Try So you get the prizes for that. So come on by, bring a snack, a drink, or a side to share, and the Browns game will start around 4, so you come and be a part of a fun afternoon event. Our Food Resource Center is closed. This is the fifth Tuesday of the month, so every three months we get a fifth Tuesday, and we give a chance for our workers to have a break. They work so, so hard, so you get a day off. A vineyard is once again having our neighborhood fall harvest festival. It's this Tuesday from 6 to 8. We open our doors, welcome the neighborhood in, fun, food, family, games, and of course, candy. We're looking for, again, more donations of candy, juice, drinks, water bottles, and snacks. Sign up in the lobby to help out. CFK, it's coming, you know, we're almost in November, and so Christmas is coming, CFK is coming, we have a team meeting a uh, Sunday, November 5th from 12 to 2, it'll be a potluck, so bring something to share, if you're part of the team, come, if you're not, join it and come and be a part of it, great, great, great fun event to be a part of. Join us here at the Vineyard on Saturday, November 11th for a table talk dealing with conflict in today's culture. There's not any conflict in today's culture, is there? Just saying. <laughs> so again, some topics will be how to handle conflict with guidance from the Bible and why are relationships important to fight for. And that's hosted by Jim and Rochelle. So come and be a part of that from 12 to 2 in the Fellowship Hall on Saturday, November 11th. We, every year we have our church decorated amazingly beautifully for Christmas, but this year we need somebody else to take that torch. So if you would be interested in heading up our Christmas decorations, uh, please see Denise uh, if you'd like to do that. Don't forget our Operation Christmas Child, Um, Kathy O'Brien again over here is heading all that up for us. There's a table back in the back, again, an awesome chance to offer Christ's blessing to people literally around the world. And at this point, uh, we're going to watch a cool video called To the Ends of the Earth.
2: God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want every child to know that there's a God I want every child to know that God loves them, that God sent His Son from heaven to this earth to take our sins. We've got a charge to go into the world to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, here I am. Take me and send me and use me.
3: laid it on my heart the Himbas need someone to give them the word of god my vision for the salam tribes tribe is that we will share the gospel and to establish a host church here so that they also can receive the, the, the blessing of christ through the gift boxes
1: we are going places that no church will be allowed places like Gambia, that floating village we are living
2: those that have never heard the gospel. We find them having not even a Bible in their own language. Areas of the world where people need to know that God loves them and cares them and sent His Son from heaven to this earth for them. God loves you and God loves
1: me. Operation Christmas Child opened doors to evangelism,
4: discipleship, and multiplication. When a child receives a shoebox, it shows them who God really is and how much He cares for them.
3: We bring, give to the
4: children, also the mothers and the fathers, and their brothers and sisters also accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches are using these shoeboxes, the greatest journey discipleship program, to reach out to the ends of the earth with the gospel. God sent His
2: Son to this earth on a rescue mission. Jesus Christ died and shed His blood on the cross for our sins. And then on the third day, God in heaven said, It's enough, and He raised His Son to life. This is the good news, and we've got a responsibility
1: to take this message to the ends of the earth.
3: All right, make sure you get those shoeboxes in. What, November 12th, as I remember, is the final day for collection. So make sure that you get those shoeboxes in to be a part of bringing joy, literally, to the ends of the earth. Also today, don't forget your offering. Back to the little table in the back, both your offering and your building gifts. We continue to do good things to keep God's house in good shape. God bless you, and Brent will be up with the message.
4: So I'm gonna um, once a year I show a video. Some of you have been here for very long know what this is gonna be, but it's a it's a video about who we are and who Jesus came for and who Jesus died for and who God cares about. So.
2: Philistines, homophobes, skinheads, deadheads, tax evaders, street kids, alcoholics, workaholics, wise guys, dim wits, blue collars, white collars, warm on the streets, snicks. Breathe breathe deep for breath. the shelving and breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God, evolutionists, creationists, perverts, slumlords, dead-feeds, athletes, Protestants and Catholics, housewives, neophytes, pro-choice, pro-life, misogynists, monogamists, philanthropists, black and white, The breath of God Breathe
1: deep Breathe deep, The breath
4: The good thing about that is that it should be offensive to. Does that. Some of the people up there, you're like, really? God really cares about them too? Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're doing a a series on the reason for God, and today I'm going to be talking about um, deconstructing Phariseeism, or the the long title of this in the book that we're studying is um, something to the effect of. Uh, Why do people not come to church? What keeps people from connecting with God? And what keeps people from believing sometimes? And um, Tim Keller, who wrote the book that we're studying, wrote this. He said, perhaps the biggest deterrent to Christianity for the average person today is not so much violence and warfare, but the shadow of fanaticism. Many non-believers have friends or relatives who have become, quote, born again and seem to have gone off the deep end. They soon express their loud disapproval of various groups and sectors in our society. Movies, television, the Democratic Party, homosexuals, evolutionists, activists, judges, members of other religions, and the values taught in public schools. When arguing for the truth of their faith, they often appear intolerant and self-righteous. This is what many people call fanaticism. And to be honest, it's what keeps a lot of people from even feeling comfortable coming into a community or coming into a church. They feel like, well, I'm just going to be so different. We um, wasn't, I I don't know, it was a bit ago, Teresa and I went to a funeral. And um, at the funeral was somebody, it was the son of somebody that I had married once, and he had become kind of a she. And so, and I think... You know, they kind of thought that we would be like stand-off, hands-off kind of thing. And instead, we just went up and started talking to him and his um, husband or wife. I'm not sure which was which. But anyway, we just began talking with him. And as we began talking, they said, you know, we watch you on TV sometimes. And I was like, I know it's because I'm that famous. That's why you watch me. No. It was just cool, though. I just thought, wow, that is so cool. You know, we don't know what God's doing in the heart of people, do we? And we don't know how God's working and who God's working with. Tim Keller again writes, he says, We tend to draw conservative, button-down, moralistic people. The licentious and liberals or broken and marginalized often avoid the church. That can only be mean one thing. If, our, if the preaching of our ministers, and that would include me, and the practices of our parishioners do not have the same effect on people that Jesus had, then we must not be declaring the same message that he did. And the question that I would ask us is, do, quote, sinners and tax collectors feel comfortable with us? Or do they kind of run the other way when we come around? I can judge, and you can judge the 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 nature of how we are as a community and how we are as a church by how comfortable people feel coming in who are very different than we are and we want to be a place where people can come in and encounter the living god even if it's uncomfortable even if it makes us feel uncomfortable because they're very different than we are does that make sense So, Peggy Pippert, who's, if, you've, if you've never read this book, I'd encourage you to pick it up. It's an older book, but it's a really good book. And it's called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. And she says, what do you do with a man who's supposed to be the holiest man on earth who's ever lived, yet goes around talking with prostitutes and hugging lepers? What do you do with a man who, who not only mingles with the most unsavory people, but actually seems to enjoy them? The religious have accused him of being a drunkard, a glutton, and having tacky taste in friends. It's a profound irony that the Son of God visited this planet, and one of the chief complaints against him is that he wasn't religious enough. Isn't that amazing? God comes in, to our world in human form, and what he's accused of is not being religious enough. It's like God. This is God here... And we go, you know, he just doesn't really fit our mold of, you know, this, this really isn't what God should be like. And Jesus is going, I, I am God. I am God. You know, this is actually what God is like. And the people, who, the people who had the most difficulty with him were the people that spent their whole life studying, guess what? The Bible and God. And so there's always, it's always good to ask ourselves a question in the midst of that is how can we avoid becoming pharisaical how can we avoid becoming like the religious leaders in jesus day because there's a tendency to move towards that and to move away from being people who just go out in the world and connect with all kinds of people all kinds of people that we may not feel comfortable with and so um Today we're going to talk about that, deconstructing or really how to avoid Pharisees. Now, Pharisees is kind of named after a group called the Pharisees. And they're a group that came out of um, when, when Israel was taken into captivity. They, can you hear in back with the fan going or does it get kind of hard to hear? Oh, you shut it off. Okay. Good job, Jim. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the fan never shuts off when we shut it off <laughs> so thank you um, jim 's going to punch me when we 're done now by the way after we have the chili cook I, I I forgot to tell you this we have the chili cook off at three, and then there 'll be a farting contest at four okay just to that 's just true um, so anyway, the Pharisees were a group of people who um, I couldn't resist. The Pharisees were a group of people who, who had, had developed after Israel had been taken into captivity. And one of the things that Israel had to do when they came back and actually were still kind of in captivity under Rome is that they were living in a culture that was really different from them, that was really... Um, there we go. Way to go. See, Dan, just, uh, Dan, Dan O'Brien just stands up and looks at it. And the... the Fan shuts off. You fixed it, okay? Um, that's true. Um, anyway, the, the the Pharisees they they came out of this background where they it, it had been easy for the the church of their day, the the Jewish community, to become assimilated into the culture around them. So what they had done was developed all of these kind of fences or boundaries that would define who they were and keep them from becoming like the people out there. And Paul in, in Corinthians in one place says, you know what, I never, I never told you not to hang around with people who were drunkards or sexually immoral or da-da-da-da-da. He says, if, if if you were to do that, you'd have to come out of the world. And one of the challenges as a church often is that we become a we follower of Jesus and we literally come out of the world and we disconnect from people who don't know Jesus. And I purposely try and go places where I can connect with people who don't know Jesus. And I hang out with them. And I sit around with them and I talk with them. And it's cool. I mean, it's fun, it's amazing. People have amazing questions. And so, so we're going to read a passage where Jesus, this is probably one of the harshest passages in the Bible. It's called the seven woes. And it's kind of these seven um, woes, lamentations, um, judgments that Jesus gives on the religious leaders of his day. And again, are this group called the Pharisees. And they came out of, uh, Israel being taken into captivity and out of that grew a couple different groups the sadducées and the pharisees and the pharisees were a- actually theologically pretty pretty good that's why Jesus says you know listen to what they're saying because their theology actually isn't bad it's what they do and it's the extracurricular stuff that they add to it that creates the problem so he said In in Matthew 23, then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, so he's speaking to everybody, he's speaking to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, there's a position that they have that Moses once had to teach and bring God's word to people. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. In as much as I or they or anybody else is teaching The Bible, or teaching what God says, listen, and as much as we're not, don't listen. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They take up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And we might call this an abusive pastor or an abusive church situation, where where people just feel overwhelmed, where it's no longer good news, it's, it's terror. It's living under a terrorist regime in the church. And one of the things I've really tried not to do is create a community where there's heavy loads being tied on you. Except for Dave Anderson. He's trying to weigh him down. They make their phylacteries wide, and their, everything is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi with others. They like the approval of people. We'll talk about that in a minute. We all like that. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. And don't call anyone on earth Father in the sense of Holy Father kind of thing, which I'm not going to explain that. But For all of you have one Father, and He is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher or instructor, for you have one instructor, Jesus. The greatest among you will be your servant. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you you let enter those who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of law, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as fit a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if someone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if they swear by the gold in the temple they're bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold in the temple or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if someone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but if someone swears by the gift on the altar, they're bound by that. And these are technicalities that they had gotten, they developed to work around the heart of what God was trying to get at. And I'm going to jump down a little bit. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you You hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. And that was basically they tithed. They tithed and they prayed. And they did all kinds of good things, but they did them with the wrong motives. But you have neglected the more important matters of law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced all these without neglecting the former. You blind blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law, and you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will also be clean. You snake... And I'm going to jump down again. You snakes, you brood of vipers. <laughs> this is Jesus talking to the religious leaders. Like, how would you like to you'd be a religious leader, and I was like... You snakes, you brood of vipers! Like, whoa, dude! And if I was with Jesus when He was doing this, I'd be going, you know, Jesus, you know, because I like, I like, I don't like conflict, so I'd be kind of like, you know, maybe maybe you should just tone it down a little bit, Jesus. A little, little harsher. You brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages. Some of them will you will kill, others you will crucify, others you will flog in the synagogues. And so upon you will come the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah and Bechariah who was murdered between the temple and the altar. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you're not willing. Look, your house is left desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Father, please, we all, we want to be, I know this group here, and I know we all want to be right with you. And we all want to love this world into the kingdom. And we want to be a community that welcomes and loves the world into the kingdom. And we don't want to put up barriers like the religious leaders did. And so help us To be such a reflection of you, Jesus, that we too would be accused of hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, ironically, usually when you heal, this I might call hellfire and brimstone. Once you kind of say it's sort of hellfire and brimstone-y. is Jesus preaching hellfire and brimstone to? The Pharisees. Now, isn't that amazing? So today, what we often see is like what we saw a while ago where this, there was a whole church. There was like this church that used to go around and, and they used to protest very, um, military funerals because the military had gay people in it. And they would walk around with signs that said, God hates gays. Do you see the difference between what Jesus did, Jesus would go around with signs that say, "God, God hates religious bigots." You know, he would. Well, he kind of did, actually. But his purpose in doing that wasn't to condemn people. It was to bring to his hope. I think this whole time is to bring to a realization to the religious leaders who they were and what they were like. He was trying to hold up a mirror to them and say, "This is what you look like." And so, the whole hellfire and brimstone thing is not... When Jesus is around like the woman who's been married five times and living with a guy, what does he do? He gets in a dialogue with her. And eventually, she, he leads her to himself and offers her living water. What does he do with, with Zacchaeus, the, the wee little man? The wee little man was he. Come down from that tree, Zacchaeus. I can't remember the whole song, but it that goes something like that. Um... So anyway, what does he do with him? He's a tax collector. He's evil. He's like Bernie Madoff kind of. He says, hey, I have to have lunch with you today. Isn't that amazing? If that's how God is in human form, what does that tell us about us? So, let me just go through And, and kind of lay out some things that, that might show us if we're, if we're, if we're having some, some possibly Pharisaical tendencies. Um, and, and these, I'm just going to run through them semi quick. Uh, first of all, do we, do we walk the talk? Do we walk the talk? You know, um, Jesus says, one of the problems with the religious leaders is they. They don't do what they say. They're, they're, and he gets into this in a little, little bit more detail in the future, but it's called hypocrisy. It's, it comes from a, a, a Greek word that, that has to do with theater, where you pretend to be something that you're not. And sometimes, they used to have, there used to be a lot of fear um, for actors and actresses, that they would get so into character. I don't know if, you, if some of you remember Silence of the Lambs with Anthony Hopkins, if you ever saw that. An amazing performance, really creepy movie, but really amazing performance. And he was so into that character, I just think, sometimes I think, oh my gosh, how do you, how do you come out of that character, you know? Or we think of like, for me, I think of Heath Ledger who played this amazing version of the Joker. And actually, I don't know if it caused his drug overdose. He ended up dying of a drug overdose. But um, in some ways, it, it seemed like it was hard for him to come out of that, that it became almost part of him. And that's the danger. Um, some, sometimes used to, people used to think, for actors and actresses, is like, can they pull out of that character? Now, now uh, Anthony Hopkins, who played cannibal lecter who is a cannibal he also played cs lewis and so i think it was self correcting you know it kind of brought itself back together so um, <laughs> but anyway the, the, i'm not i'm not against acting or anything like that but i am against one kind of acting and that's the kind of acting that we sometimes do in church where we one of the things that i i really want to leave with this community with this church and i hope i I hope I have done that, is I want to be as real up here as I am at home. Now, I don't cuss as much here as I do at home. I try not to. Um, but then again, I'm not working on cars when I'm here, so uh, but you know, there's a tendency for all of us to want to look good. And yet, we want to be a community. The church is the only community in the world, and the only organization in the world, where the entry requirement is acknowledging that you are what? Broken. A sinner. You're, you don't got it together. And yet, somehow, sometimes when we come into the community, we feel like, okay, I have to have it together. There's actually another organization that's called AE or NA, where the re- entrance requirement is acknowledging that you're broken. That I'm broken. And, and the fact is, once Jesus comes in, he begins to transform us, but I'm still broken. There's still parts of me that are in way in process, as my wife. You know? As Dave Anderson. <laughs> we hang out a lot. But there's parts of me that are still there's way and, and John Wimber used to say, you know, I hope. I sin a little bit less now than I used to. I hope I'm a little bit more like Jesus than I used to be. And I hope before I die, I'll be even a little bit more. But until I'm with him, until I see him face to face, I'm, I'm going to be in this, in this constant battle with my own natu- with my old nature. And I'm not going to be who I want to be. I think, I think, I don't know if it was Martin Luther King Jr. or whoever said, you know, I'm not... I'm not who I used to be, I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I was. And I think that's the nature of Christianity. And we need to remember that the reason that we're not that way isn't because we've suddenly become really holy. It's because we have somebody who's really holy who has come into us and has begun transforming us. So the first one, he says... Be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do. And don't tie up heavy loads on other people. Secondly, live for the applause of God. One of the dangers of doing this, and we've seen it, I mean, just over the last couple years, we've seen leaders from Hillsong, which is one of the biggest worship and church things around. A bunch of the leaders, it came out that they were... Not who people thought they were. Mars Hill, the pastor of Mars Hill, came out. It's not there. He was kind of laying heavy loads on people. In the vineyards, there have been people who've come out and, and have, have been living a double life. And we're, you know, one of the vineyards in Minnesota. The, one of the youth pastors was 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 um, taking advantage sexually of his position. And there's a danger in what we do in wanting to do it for other people to see. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. It was many years ago. I was at a big conference at the Vineyard. And um, this lady was speaking from, and and she had been, her name was Jackie Pullinger. She had been a missionary and, and went to like the worst of the worst place in China. It was called the... The walled city and it was where it was considered the most dangerous place on earth with the most um, drugs and gang activity and all kinds of stuff. And and she was there and she because she was a woman and they disregarded women so much, she was able to bring Jesus in and she brought all kinds of people into a relationship with Jesus. And she was coming and she was speaking to us as, as a vineyard. This was back in, in, I think it was out in California. And about halfway through her talk, I just became so convicted about, like, God, I want, I want my life to be, like, reflective. So I just started walking up. They, she didn't do, like, quote, the altar call or anything like that. I just started walking up because I wanted... I just felt like God was moving so much in my life. I wanted to be changed. I just wanted God to grab a hold of my heart and give me that passion again. And it's, so I start walking up, and I... I made the mistake of kind of turning around and I look back. This is halfway through her talk. She hadn't given a call or anything. I look back and there's literally hundreds of people coming after me, following, and I thought and I was coming up partially to to, you know, just for God to make me more humble. And as I'm looking back, I'm thinking, Wow, look what I did. That's amazing. (laughs) And there's there's a part of us that just that loves and and we do we like it I like it when I always ask my wife after every message I go was that okay, and she'll go and she has ways of communicating when it's she never says no it's not but she 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 has I kind of know like she has great but she's like so supportive but I kind of know it's like mm, yeah yeah it was okay if <laughs> she does that then I'm like oh really But he says everything they do is for men to see. They make their phylacteries long and their tassels. They used to have these tassels. And all this is part of the Levit- Levitical rules that God gave for the priests and for the religious people of his day. And Jesus even had some of those tassels and things. He's not saying they're wrong. He's not saying that praying in public is wrong. He's not saying that giving in public is wrong. What he's saying is that we don't do it for the applause for the applause of this we do it for the applause of one and what he's saying is go for the better applause go for the better reward do you know that every time jesus talks about like giving or any of those things his primary reason for doing it is saying you're settling for two less you know what you know how long the applause of people lasts about as long as they clap. And then you do something the next day, and they're all mad at you, and you know, you get phone calls and all kinds of whatever. We, we do it to please our father. We do it the, the one at the end of all of this, when all of this is done, I'm not, I'm not going to have to I mean, I, 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 hopefully I will be with Jackie and. God and everybody else in God's kingdom but you know there's only one person that I have to stand before who knows me from inside out and his, his name is Jesus and he's the one that I want to be happy with my life he's the one that that died for me he's the one that gave me new life he's the one that changed my life he's the only reason I can even be standing before him because he took my place and so what Jesus is saying is don't settle for pleasing people and we all do that I was just talking with Kaylee back there before we were talking about being fat and she's not fat she's pregnant but I'm not pregnant. I'm fat. Um, and so I, I was talking about how my, my wife had told me that I was outside working without a shirt. And she said, honey, you, you really need to wear a shirt. And I said, well, the neighbor, guy, the neighbor kid, kids are out without shirts on. And I go, yeah, they're kids. They're, they're, and they weren't kids. They were like in their 20s. And, I, and I'm like, really? Bummer. <clears throat> but we, we care about what people think about us, don't we? And Becky Pippert in that book, um, Out of Salt Shaker, End of the World, says that, that whatever God you're worshiping is the God you're going to serve. And if you're serving the approval of people, you're going to be destroyed. Because you can never, never satisfy people. we walk our talk we live for the applause of God we want to be an open door signpost Jesus said woe to you teachers of the law you hypocrites you shut the door of the kingdom in people's faces and you yourselves don't enter you don't let other people enter I don't want to be a hindrance to anybody coming to Jesus if people are offended by Jesus, that's okay. They have to deal with him. But if they're offended at Jesus because of me, that's a problem, isn't it? I don't want people to be... I want to be a signpost. I want to be... You know that... <laughs> this, is, this is totally a Cleveland thing. But if you say... In Cleveland, if you say, I'll make them pay. Everybody, kn- everybody knows. In fact, the guy has gotten so kind of... Flamboyant with that whole thing that he some of the signs now just say you know what I do and one of the signs is actually just a picture of his eye with his eyebrow up have you seen that and it's like oh my gosh but I the sad thing is I know who it is and I know what it's about and I think wouldn't that be great if that's what people thought of the church not that but you know <laughs> wouldn't that be great if as soon as somebody saw even the eyebrow of the church, they would go, Oh, I know who that is. And they'll make them pay. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to be a signpost. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were hindering people from coming to God. You know what makes God mad over and over again in Scripture? It isn't like the sinners and tax collectors. Jesus seemed to hang out with them. It was the religious people. Does that make sense? And I ran into that. One of the biggest hindrances to a lot of unchurched people in our world today is the church. And how sad is that? We want to be people who do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Jesus says, you know, you're, do, you're, you're giving a tenth of your tithes, your, you know, mint, dill, and cumin, and they were really cautious, of, you know, like, nope, that's, that's 11, take, take a little bit back, you know. And, I, and Jesus said, you shouldn't have neglected that. In other words, you should do that. We need to get in the practice of, of tithing to God. But he said also, don't neglect the weightier matters of the law in your process of trying to fulfill the law. Don't neglect that person that's just sitting by the side of the road that's beat up and bruised. Don't walk past them on your way to serving God. The whole story of the, 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 the Good Samaritan is well, the, part of that journey in that is that people are so busy trying to fill out the minute details of the law like I'm not going to touch an unclean person that they end up not fulfilling the law. So He's not saying don't pray. He's not saying don't tithe. He's not saying don't fast. He's saying do it. Do it, but also, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. There's a, there's a great quote by um, Martin Luther King Jr., and it's, it's in it's letters from a Birmingham jail. It's in one of the letters to Birmingham jail. And he realizes that, that slavery had been embraced for many years by the church and by... Christians, it had just been embraced. But instead of just neglecting or rejecting the church, instead of kind of just throwing all that out, what Martin Luther King Jr. realized needed to happen is that he needed not to, not to reject the church, but to call the church back to who it was supposed to be. And he quotes from Amos and he said, let justice roll down like a river. What's going to change this is not a rejection of, of our faith, like Christopher Hitchens would say. Or the problem isn't Christianity. The problem is, isn't that we're, we're true Christians, it's that we're not Christian enough. And we don't realize that God is both just and merciful and wants things to be made Right? Do you have injustice that you're facing? Or do you know somebody that's facing injustice? Or have you taken time in a church like ours that's multiracial, have you taken time to ask somebody who's not of your ethnicity, why, if you're white, why is the black community so upset about this? And if, as we go into this political season, would we take the time like... Jim and um, Rochelle are doing this class, would we take the time to say, okay, why is this so important to you? And listen. Do justly. Walk humbly. Be genuine. We got to go, with somebody, uh, Connie actually, Connie uh, Fleming, our our treasurer stayed at our house for a little bit, and kind of as a gift for doing that, she gave us tickets to the Wiz, which I didn't know anything about the Wiz, and it was actually really cool. And I realized like it's one of those it's 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 one of those um, a play that I realized yeah I'm really white I'm like super white because it was it was great and it was it was. Probably written and directed and acted mostly by the black and African American community, but it was a really cool show. And the lady that was playing Dorothy in it—it's based kind of roughly on The Wizard of Oz—was um, it was her first time playing that role, and you could tell she was a little bit nervous about it at first. But then she began getting more and more into it, and it was just—it was just really cool. And, and basically. Um, part of what, what Jesus is saying here is again don't be a hypocrite be real you know what people have told me over the years of doing this for however many years I've done it you know what people have told me they like the best is that I'm real and I've really tried to be real. So I try and share. My, and this is a, a message for Jim and Denise and for anybody else who's preaching and doing all that. We don't have to pretend like we have it all together. Sometimes when we share our own brokenness and our own struggles in our life, like, you know, do I struggle trying to keep my devotional life together? Absolutely. You know? Do I ever look at somebody lustfully? Never, ever at all. I'm just kidding. Um We be real, right? Be real. I'm just going to move move into prayer, I think. There's a quote that I want to kind of want to end with. It's, um, however, Christianity presents another approach. On the one hand, Christianity teaches that to be a Christian, a person must admit that he or she is a sinner, self-absorbed and full of pride. On the other hand, Christianity teaches there will always be inconsistency. In our lives, we're, we're never going to totally be there. It's radically different from other religions. The fact that we have the perfect example, Jesus. And yet we're not there, right? I'm not there. Christianity calls you to live a perfect life before a holy God and at the same time acknowledge that you can't and won't live perfectly perfectly. At the heart of Christianity is the good news for the inconsistent person. This is good news for the inconsistent This is good news for all of us hypocrites. That Jesus came to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And unlike any other religion or belief system, Christianity acknowledged that it cannot be followed perfectly. And at the same tells us that at the same time tells of one who has lived perfectly in our place is that an excuse for kind of blowing off all these things no does god want us to be moving towards that i was talking with a friend this week and we were talking about how every once in a while you just realize how far you are from where you want to be do you ever realize that it's the challenge of the light. In the man cave, I have, I have two different lights in the man cave. I have one light that's just the one that comes on the garage door. When you open the garage door, there's a really dim light there. And that's my favorite light, because you cannot see all the junk laying around in the man cave. It's awesome. But then I have two, these, the, two of these lights I use when I'm working on things, and they literally, I think, are like... I don't know how many. They're big and they have like they're like 1500 watts each or something like that. They've got so many LEDs in them and you can see everything. I mean, you can see everything. When we begin moving closer to the light to Jesus. He's going to show us some stuff sometimes. And, and he, the reason he's showing us isn't to, to condemn us, it's not to beat us up, it's to, to have us go, okay, Lord, help me, help me to be better at this. Change me, oh Lord. We do a first step on it. We came to acknowledge that we were um, powerless and that our lives are unmanageable, that there's things in us that God's trying to work on, and we don't get real defensive. I love the end of this the end of this passage is amazing because part of what God does at the very end of this passage and this is um before 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 Israel before Jerusalem is completely destroyed it's Jesus pleading with the people and he says Jerusalem because even though they they are were God's people, God still held them accountable. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent to you. And this is not anti-Semitic, by the way. This is Jesus dealing with all of false religion throughout all of history. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And there's... There's images there that they've actually seen. They've found where, where a mother hen will, will gather when there's a fire or a danger. She'll bring her chicks under her wings to protect them. And she'll give her life to protect the life of her chicks. And you are not willing. Look, your house is desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so, Lord, today... We, we don't even always know, Lord, what we're like, but we want to be a signpost. We want to be a place that, that people who don't know you can come to. We want to be a place where that song I did at the beginning is, is just true, where we all need to breathe deep the breath of God. Remove from us any of these characteristics that you list out here. And help us, Lord, to be, to be more like you, Jesus. We, we, we long for that. And help us. I, I just feel like Jesus is saying, some of you are just kind of beating yourself up and thinking, well, I've got to try harder. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to surrender more. And Lord, make us more into. And I, I just look forward to that day, Lord. You've said that you predestined us to be conformed to the image of your Son. And that's a good hope. And so I just want to offer an opportunity if anybody would like prayer for um, just where they feel they're at and where they feel like they want to be. Um, I'm, I'm just going to pray right now for our, us as a community. Help us all, Lord, to be a signpost. We want to be a signpost. We want to see people come in who really don't look like any of us. And we want to be a good witness to you and your kingdom. Thank you for this church. Thank you for who they are. Thank you for the fact that they represent you really well. They give you a good image, Lord, in the community. Help us to keep doing that. Help us to stay encouraged. I pray in Jesus' name. If anybody's really discouraged today, I want you to come on up and we'll pray for you. God bless you.